0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah Podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting, and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor AJ Fowler. Before I jump into my message this morning, uh, first off, most of you know, most Sundays we are a live stream campus and we we get the opportunity to hear from our lead pastor, Pastor Eddie, and uh, he come out of a powerful series this past week on when God, and there's just so many different scenarios there that he brought, uh, but I, I, have, I have been reviewing that and looking back over that, especially last week. Very, very powerful and profound, and I believe that if many of you, some, those of you that were here last week, you were able to hear that message. We are in a season where, uh, I hate saying that, it's, season's almost just like it's just, it's a cliche phrase. Everybody knows that. We're in a season. Of course we're in a season. We're always in transition. You're always going to be changing. So guess what? And there's, there's a little bit of a, 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 a nugget of truth. But uh, he was talking about contending. And here's the thing. In these last days, if I could say it that way, in the, do you understand that we're in the last days? I don't think we're in the last day but we're in the last days according to Scripture. Uh, I I believe that since Jesus left this earth, it was constantly, even the apostles that wrote about it, was talking about Jesus' return. And I believe they were expectantly awaiting it in their day, in which so many people say, well, I'm tired of hearing about this Jesus coming back stuff. Well, that's how you become, that's how you be sober and vigilant. That's how you're on your toes as a believer. Now, let me just say this. I I grew up in in a church where we we sung a lot about going to heaven, and I believe that we ought to continue. We talk about uh, Christ alone. There's a verse in there that talks about uh, seeing Jesus one day, standing before him face to face, and how joyful it's going to be. But here's the thing that can happen at times is that, and this actually ties into what I'm talking about this morning. I'll get there. But what can happen to the church is the church can get such into a place uh, of just well, I've gotten saved, I've gotten baptized, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, so I'm my tickets punched, I'll just sit on the seat, and I'll just enjoy until he comes back. No, no, there, there's, for some reason and somehow, according uh, to whatever it is of your theology, maybe you 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 were taught, an escapist type of theology. Well, we just get saved and let's just get out of here. I'm ready to get out of here. I've had those days. I'm going to just tell you because I, it's like right after I've just, man, I feel like I'm walking it right with the Lord. And it's like, okay, God, everything's good. I hadn't sinned yet. Come get me out of here. I'm done. It's like, everything's right. I feel it. But then you have those days where you fall off the wagon, you miss the mark pretty bad. But what can happen, though, in the church is that we can get a theology of escapism, which in other words, we get destination disease. We think that heaven is our assignment. Well, to get to heaven, that's what I need. I've just got to get to heaven. I've just got to get to heaven. That's what it is. I'll just get to heaven. No, but that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught, I want to reproduce myself in you so that you can become a representation of me and you can bring heaven to the earth. That's what he wanted, and, and, and listen, you're, you're sitting in a, in a supernatural church this morning, okay? Just to let you know, we believe in the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the, the functioning of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and so what I'm trying to say is this, is we can get destination disease where we get heaven on our mind trying to get out of this world and not change anything in our world, When what he wants to do is get all of heaven into you so that you can become a representation of him in the earth. What he wants to do is he wants to renew the earth. Do you understand that? Do you, you know that he's coming to establish his new Jerusalem here? You got that, don't you? So we're not going away in the sweet by and by. Maybe for a time, but he's coming back to earth. And so what he wants to do is he's looking for a bride without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. And some people ask, what's going on in the bride? I had a friend tell me this not too long ago, and it really, really, uh, really captured and changed Really, it corrected me. It rebuked me. It was a rebuke from the Holy Spirit. But you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 if you're waiting. Like, oh my goodness, just open up the Bible, Pastor AJ. I promise you, we'll get to Bible reading in just a moment. But I had a friend tell me the other day, we were having a conversation about, because I'm just telling you, this is just what's stirring and brewing on my heart is the return of Jesus, and it's going to be glorious. I'm not trying to get out of this earth too soon, but I just know it's going to be amazing, the catching away of the saints it's going to be incredible and extraordinary. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. But we were talking, and he said, you know, he said, AJ, this is, I've been struggling with this. He said, I've been hearing all of these naysayers speaking about the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. You, you understand that he's our bridegroom, right? He's coming back for a bride. And he said, he looked at me, and he said, would you let some of the people talk about Crystal the way that people have been talking about the bride of Christ? And it caught me, and I thought, "Well, absolutely not. I'd get a spirit of slap and slap somebody." It's like I said, it's not going to slap anybody too big, you know. Make sure, but it's like, think about it from that perspective. Would we let men? Would you let somebody talk about your wife the way that some have been talking about the body of Christ? No, maybe she's not where she needs to be. And if you want to know the truth, the Lord has been slimming her down over the past few, uh, over the over the past year and a half. There's been a pruning, there's been a, maybe she's gone on a diet for for that matter. Maybe we've seen some that's left and we don't want to see anybody fall away or walk away from the church. We want to see them all return back. But could it be that that's what's taking place because he's getting her ready For the miraculous, I'm believing with all of my heart that there is a revival that's about to hit the bride of Christ in its its entirety, not just pockets of it, not just over here, not just over there, but everywhere, because he is going to pour out. I know he's already poured it out once, but if you want to call it moving or pouring out his spirit, I believe it's going to be one that's going to, a revival that's going to last until he catches us away. I really believe that. I'm convinced of it. I believe that he's not coming back for a week in anemic, divided, uh, bride he's coming back for a spotless bride and there's a lot of division taking place but I believe there's some slimming taking place so that he can unite us get us together and have a bride that is functioning in power that's what he's coming back for not a weak anemic bride but a powerful bride you with me this morning now let's get into our word because this is what I want to talk about this morning I'll just go ahead and give you my title and mess it up I want to talk about those things Those things, and I'll give you a description of that in just a moment. So Colossians chapter three, verses one through three, you can see it here on the side screens, and it says here, Paul is speaking to the church at Colossus, and Paul is writing this letter from a prison cell. More than likely, contemporary, I was reading some of the the background, some contemporary scholars said he was writing this. Isn't that interesting about Paul? He writes the happiest book of the Bible, which is Philippians, from where? A Philippian jail cell. And how in the world, Paul, are you writing that? Well, he, he's an apostle. He was no, no, but he was a man just like you and I. But he's writing, and I almost called it prison sentences. But he says here, he says, if you then were raised with Christ, what is he referring to? He's talking about water baptism. If you then have been raised with him, you're identifying with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, which is water baptism. You take on the authority of the, of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, seek those things, say that, those things. Those, seek those things. Well, wait a second, Pastor AJ. Didn't you, doesn't the scripture say that signs follow them that believe? Well, here's my question. Are any signs following you? I'm gonna challenge you and then I'm gonna flip it and bring you into a good place, I promise you. But right now, I gotta step on your toes and challenge you because I'm challenging myself. When I, when I saw this in scripture, I thought to myself, are any signs following me? The answer is Sometimes. I'm not striving and looking for signs because signs uh, in and of themselves, they, they're leading me somewhere. But at the same time, signs are, if I could say this, signs, wonders, and miracles are a, a secondary consequence of a primary pursuit. Let me say it again. Signs, wonders, and miracles are a secondary consequence of my primary pursuit, which is what? Intimacy with Jesus. That's the number one first and foremost. So Paul is like, okay, you've already got this church at Coloss, You understand this because you've identified with Jesus. He says, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting. And when I think about above, this is what I think of. And seriously, I don't know how you read scripture. I try to grasp what's happening in the moment. I ask questions around scripture. Why would they do this? Why were they thinking that? And when Paul says, set your mind, he didn't say spirit. Because the scripture always says the spirit's always willing, right? But the flesh is weak. What's considered my flesh? My mind, my will, my emotions. That's the seat where you have, that's where the war happens. in your mind, will, and emotions. And so he tells them, he says, seek those things which are above. So this is the way I see it. And when, and when when I read this scripture, I see it as if I were to take both of my hands and put them under my eyes where I can't look down. But all I can do is look up. That's, that's, that's those things I'm, I'm lifting up. Paul's saying, listen, you got to get your eyes off of everything that's going around you and seek those things, which are above. Now, what are those things? Let me give you a definition according to, according to scripture and what Paul is referencing. Those things are things present right now in heaven. So think about the activity that's taking place around the throne of God. What's happening? Worship. There is constant worship. There is fear of the Lord in that place, uh, or all around heaven. The, the Spirit of God is, is he, could, it, could it be said this way, that, that uh, people always say, well, God is in heaven. Well, I, y'all have heard me say this before, but could it be that God is so vast and so big that all of heaven is in him? Think of it from that perspective. Really great thing, right? Because I, I don't think that anything contains God. We contain him, but it's only according to what he's... I'm getting way off on this. I don't want to do that. We are containers for God because he allows us to contain him. But all of heaven resides in God. Let me keep going. Those things in heaven, the regenerative work, you understand the Holy Spirit is... He regenerates you. He revives you. He transforms you. If someone says, well, I'm a believer, but nothing has changed, your lifestyle doesn't change, you continue down the same path of sin, have you really been saved? The answer is no, probably not. It was a great feeling in the house, but when I woke up Monday morning and I went right back into the same thing, probably nothing changed because there has to be transformation that identifies with the work of the Holy Spirit. That's who he is. So there's regenerative work, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. There's signs, there's wonders in heaven because there's thunderings and lightnings around the throne. Just read Revelation and see what's happening right now. There's a sea of glass, it's a beautiful sight, all of these things, and so Paul is saying, listen, lift your eyes off of what you're seeing, and look up, because the problem right now in culture, everybody's wanting you to look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at my post that I just put out on social media, uh oh. Look what I just said, I'm offended. I'm pre-offended by anything that you've said already, I'm offended, right, because offense is running wide open. Anybody says anything, I don't, social media has just become more than just a rant fest right now. No offense, hey, I'm not on it, so if you posted it, I don't see it, I don't have a clue. So I, I'm, I am completely 100% justified for any offense in the room, right? All right, let me keep going. So that's what's happening right now around the throne of the Lord is worship. And all they can do is the four living creatures circle him and say, look at him. Look at him. Look how beautiful he is. Look how awesome he is. Look how excellent he is. Look how powerful he is. Look at him. Just look. I think in a million years, we're going to be in heaven. For those of us that make it, I pray to God I make it. Lord, save me today. Repent of my sins. I believe in a million years, we're going to be like, man, look at him. We're just now scratching the surface on who he is because he's that big He's infinite. Do you understand that? You know what blows my mind? And I got to get back to my message. One last nugget of thought. Have you ever thought about where he came from? Does that not blow your mind? I, I remember as a kid, I heard a preacher saying one time, and everybody always said, oh, do you know where God came from? And I was like, of course I do. I think it's somewhere in the Old Testament that said he came from Teeman. He came from Teeman. So that was always my answer. I'm like, how are you all crazy? It's in the Bible. He came from Teeman. Anyway, that's a, that's a Bible joke. You don't know where he came from. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He's alpha omega. He's beginning to end. He's always existed. Whenever your brain gets blown, your mind gets blown, guess what? That's the fear of the Lord. Worship kicks in because you're like, oh my goodness, it really is him. The east, seeing Jesus from the east, they don't question is God real It's already assumed and understood that he is real. And so they read the Bible from that lens. Is that not powerful? How about you start reading it from that lens? Everything you see, it's already real. I just got to identify and line myself up with it. And Paul is saying, seek those things. Lift your eyes and look there. Those things. What's going on around the throne of the Lord. And I want to, to the best that I can possibly do this morning, hopefully uh, step on your toes and mine too and prod us to take a step further and get into those things. I don't know about you, but I want signs following me. If there's no people, there's so much they're saying about the church right now. Well, they're grieving the Holy Spirit. They're quenching, quenching the Holy Spirit. Well, have you quenched him and grieved him in your own personal time? What about at home? Did you quench him in your prayer time? Did you shut him up? Did you answer a phone when you shouldn't have had? Did you grieve him by what you thought, said, or done? And the answer is probably yes, we have. And he's not a God that he doesn't forgive, but... We always think from that perspective. And what I want to do is I want to get you to look at him, pursue his heart, let signs begin to follow because his desire is the Holy Spirit to not only get in you for salvation, you know what he wants? He wants to be on me. He gets in me for me, for salvation, but he wants to rest on me for the sake of a community. It's called the anointing. Can I teach you this morning? Old uh, King James verbiage, he calls it uh, the unction. You gotta have unction on your life. You need oil on your life. You need a flow of the Holy Spirit upon your life so that it's, it's for his glory. It's not so that people can look at you. Jesus said that they'll look at my good works and do what? Glorify my Father who is in heaven. So that's the goal of the anointing. I want it on me for the sake of those around me. We gotta have it. The only way you get anointing is living a lifestyle of character, fruit of the Spirit, not just so much the power gifts, But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness, faithfulness, all of those, that is the character. People want to know, what is God like? Look at the fruit of the Spirit. That's the character of God. I want power upon my life to function for those that are lost around me, for those that are broken, diseased, and struggling with depression and oppression. Do you know how many people actually you pass by daily, and God forgive me for... I'm not trying to point my finger at nobody, but actually are demon-possessed. And don't nudge your spouse, because you married them. All right, it's a joke. Lighten it up. We got too many people that's looking at me like, oh my gosh, he's... Anyway, all right. So I wanna give you three types of prayers that bring those things. Those things. It's the activity of heaven upon the believer. Yes, I, I get it. I'm, I'm talking about the signs, the miraculous wonder work and power of Jesus. I want to talk about that for just a few moments. The first type of prayer that brings those things into your life is, is closet prayer. If you're writing these down, I got three C's for you. The first one is closet prayer. And most of everybody in the room, the book of Matthew lays that out and begins to speak about it. And it said Jesus is teaching his disciples how they're supposed to pray. He said, when you pray, pull away from everybody, go into your closet and shut the door and meet with your father who is in secret. It doesn't say who will come to you in secret. He's already there. So what the scripture says, so if you're looking for the father, you just gotta, you gotta make time. I'm not going deep into this. Y'all know most of y'all if you you know this is one of my my favorite topics of discussion is the prayer life because I've I found my identity there. Not just in what I do because your identity is not what you do. Your identity is as a son in the kingdom. That's my identity. And from there I do I pre a pastor or whatever it is. But Jesus talks to his disciples and he tells them he said you got to shut the door, get with your father in secret. And I was Remember reading one day, and I come across this in Second Kings chapter nine. If you take a note, you can make this note as well, but Second Kings chapter nine, verses one through three. And this is many any of you are familiar with Elisha the prophet. He was the one that inherited double portion from Elijah the prophet. Elijah was the prophet that called down fire from heaven. He's one of the greatest Old Testament prophets, if not the greatest, um, there. And so Elisha said, I want double what you've got, Elijah. And Elijah says, well, if you see me get caught up into heaven, you can have double upon your life. And so Elisha sees it, receives double. Now he is, not only has he surpassed what his spiritual father did, he's already planted a school of the prophets, the sons of the prophets, and he's expanding. And, and the Lord begins to speak to him. And so Elisha says, he, he pulls one of the sons of the prophets, one of his students, and he says, listen, listen. I need you to take this flask of, flask of oil, which oil represents the Holy Spirit, okay? If you ever see any of us using oil, that's what it's in reference to, uh, anointing, laying hands upon people and praying for the sick. But he tells him, he says, he tells his student, take this flask of oil and I want you to go to the house of Jehu. Now, Jehu's a bad dude. This guy, you look according to him, he's brutal, he's ruthless. Whatever he's commanded to do, he's gonna do it. Now, he had his flaws and his issues, but he was a mighty warrior. So he's told to take the flask of oil, get Jehu. He says, when you see him, make him rise up from among his friends and pull him into, and I love this part, pull him into an inner chamber, pull him into a room and shut the door. So, and that's where Jehu receives his anointing because in Old Testament, they didn't just take a little bit and put a cross on your forehead and pray. They took a flask and they poured it on your head. They wanted to make sure that you were covered. And that's powerful. We need oil, we need, oil represents an assignment. Oil represents yoke-destroying power that you can't do it on your own, and that's the problem. We got too many people trying to function without unction. I'm not trying to rhyme and all that stuff this morning, but we got too many people that's trying to function without any power on their life. They're trying to, to minister, for for lack of better terms, without any anointing upon their life. It's all, and, it, and it, we always try to equate it with the stage, but in your life, I don't care if you're a school teacher or you're a nurse, we're trying to function and do our job. Do you understand? that the Jews and their and their lifestyle and in, in, in ancient well they still do it in Judaism to this day. Whatever they do, they do it as unto the Lord. Can you imagine if you embrace your job and you begin to walk in there tomorrow and you said, God, I need fresh oil before you walked in the door. I need fresh oil in my life. I don't wanna do this as just a, uh, at the end of the week, I get a means or a means for my work this week. But God, I wanna do it as unto the Lord because there's people that are watching. There's people that are listening to the things that I say and what I post and what I do. They're watching me. But what if we just begin to function in whatever God's called us to do with an anointing upon our life? because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Jehu went out from that place and began to perform the works of the Lord. He became king can I say it this way, in your closet when you go in and you shut the door, you begin to shut the rest of the world out, you begin to shut out some of those people that don't belong in your life in the first place and you come away with the Lord and say God, I, I don't have an answer for tomorrow, I don't have an answer for the end of the month, but I'm coming because you and I need to talk and what you find is, is that you walk out of there with a grace to walk out your calling, you, you walk out with an anointing upon your life and a fragrance as Paul talks about in 2nd Corinthians, a mess, uh, uh, the, the gospel of Christ has a fragrance and I walk out and I walk into a place and all of a sudden people begin to take notice not that it's about me but because God's put his hand of approval upon my life and doors begin to open God's blessings begin to flow but sometimes it may not go that way sometimes it can go the other way but you know what I'm not at it alone I'm not performing for anybody I'm just releasing who he is through me you with me That's what the closet prayer is about. It's about shutting the door, shutting pop culture out of my life, shutting no social media and news media and all the naysayers and all the negativism, if that's even a word, shutting all that stuff out and saying, I don't need this stuff, God. I need you because I know that if you'll touch my life, doors will open that no man can shut and you'll shut doors that no man can open. Come on, are you with me this morning? I know, it's, we, we, we partied hardy last night. I said at first service. Man, I don't know who partied hardy, the first service or second service. Big day yesterday. But I'm just saying that God intends for me to live with something upon my life that li- outlives me. He's in me for my sake, for salvation, but he comes on me with his anointing and with his power for the sake of those around me. You with me? What if on this next business trip, you hop on that jet and you begin to fly out. And as soon as you walk into the airport, because you become aware, you've been spending time with the Lord, you built intimacy with him, you started, you just shut everything out and say, God, I'm coming after. you. What if all of a sudden somebody walks by you and they say, wait a second, sir, can I have a conversation with you or ma'am? What is it, something about you makes me, I, I don't know the word. It's, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's conviction. I, I just, my sins are, are, are before, my, before my eyes because when I walked past you, all I, I became aware and I don't even know what it is. Could you talk to me about that? Could you answer them? Could you give them an answer for the hope that's in you? You know what that is, sir? That's called conviction. And the Holy Spirit's on me because God hasn't, he wanted to save you this morning. He intends to see you give your life to Jesus Christ today. Not everybody, not all the lost are gonna come into a church setting. You understand that, Right? They're not coming into the house. I wish they would, but it's when I go there. It's when I walk by someone sick and diseased. And now, you know what? I've had more people that hadn't been healed than has, and I found myself coming right back into the prayer closet and saying, God, you're going to have to tell me why you didn't. But the prayer closet is a place where I pour out my heart before the Lord. Don't, don't just pour out complaints because you'll leave just as much uh, uh, frustrated than you did when you came in. It's all about him. Talk about what he wants to talk about. But the closet the second one is this, constant prayer. Now how, that's hard. I mean, it's just like, what well, am I just gonna go through my day and just constantly be praying? No, uh, but I think it's an attitude. Constant prayer, as the scripture talks, this is Paul that coined this. He's the one that's talking about this. But in everything, by prayer and supplications, it's, it's being in an attitude of constant, constant prayer. Paul said, pray without ceasing. What does that look like? Again, it's your attitude of the heart. I think it's, it's, it's one of those things because when I encounter, you have to taste and to see first that God is good. That's an encounter with the Lord. That can happen in your own personal time, listening to worship song at home, in a church setting, where the presence of God just arrests you and you just begin to weep and cry, and it's so awesome. And sometimes it's not weeping and crying, sometimes it's, it's just simply feeling the overwhelming sense of peace coming over you in a time when you're just wore out. It's just the peace of God. And that encounter begins to produce an attitude of transformation where you're just like, man, whatever that was, i got to have more of it. So you start chasing that because it's called pursuit. It's called desire. You encounter him again, and it just builds and builds and increases and increases to where there's a pursuit for God, and there's an encounter with the Lord producing pursuit and encounter, and it's just constant. And so from that, throughout your day, you learn how to become aware of him I can remember plenty of times, and I've told this story, working construction work and being out at the mixer, uh, m- mixing mud and mortar, we we'll call it mortar, we we'll call it mud, and, and be out there at the mixer and just be praying, praying in tongues, praying in my understanding, singing a song because the mixer was loud enough so nobody was going to hear it. So I would just seeking God, and it would just be moments that I'd become mindful of him, and he would come down and touch me, or he would touch me in the moment, just being aware of him. You understand the psalmist says, I incline my heart to your testimonies. So in other words, that means my heart was naturally declined or possibly many of us go through life reclined, just that whatever happens, happens. No, the psalmist says, I incline my heart, which means there's something that has to happen here. It doesn't just happen. I choose, I make a choice. I will myself to pursue him. And from that place, change happens. Paul was a tent maker. Scripture talks about that, as I said earlier, he said, whatever your hand's find to do, do it as unto the Lord. He, he was a tent maker everywhere that he went. Uh, he, he would, a lot of times he would transport finances from one church to the next church. and But he would go out, he wouldn't take that money for himself, he would go out and he would build his tents. And think about this, a man that was aware of the presence of God and in a constant state of prayer, I'm not talking about constantly praying, but because of the attitude of his heart, God was always on his mind. It was just always something. That they said, I wonder, we've had all these sickness and disease and all these demonic infestations in our culture. I wonder if we could go take Paul's apron. Who got that idea? Man, you're talking about somebody experimenting? Well, I wonder if we take his nail apron and we touch his nail apron to the, to the person and see what happens. And the scripture said, that Paul worked unusual miracles and signs and wonders uh, uh, through, through he, he did that thing, but they took this nail apron, they would touch people that were demon possessed and they'd be healed. They would get uh, physically healed. It was just amazing why I believe Paul was aware of the presence of God, but Paul was being overshadowed by something that nobody could see to the naked eye. He was being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Now, don't freak out about this. Let's look at the life of Jesus because the scripture talks about Jesus, that he went about healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, healing, uh, cleansing the lepers. He did all of these things, destroying the works of the devil. And it's interesting that we see him. He doesn't, he hasn't even performed the first miracle. He's being water baptized. So people say, well, do we have to be baptized? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure Jesus is perfect and we're not, so we probably ought to be water baptized too, right? So, Jesus is at his baptism and his cousins baptize him. The scripture says that the heavens are torn open. Oh, we're in the heavens that you would come down, and he did. The heavens were ripped open, and the scripture says, I saw, John said, I saw uh, a dove, or like a dove, not a dove. We always equate it with a dove, but it says, like a dove, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, and it landed on Jesus, and that didn't just stop there, and it said, and it remained. So it didn't lift. In other words, that's the anointing. And then from that moment, we see Jesus starting to perform signs, wonders, miracles, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He preached not just repentance of sins. Yes, we know we need that. But repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, we repent enough to be saved, but do we really repent enough to see his kingdom fully manifest? Jesus is preaching that message. There's a new kingdom in town. There's a new kingdom on display and I'm here to represent it. The heart of the Father, I'm releasing it. Everything, if you can't find it in Jesus because he's the exact representation of the Father, we have reason to question that. You with me? So Jesus begins to perform miracles, signs and wonders from that place. And so Paul is I mean, like I said, he's just following, that, following the model that Jesus laid. We see that in, in the disciples. So constant prayer. Another place that constant prayer is offered up is when actually we're coming into the third seat is corporate prayer. Constant prayer for Peter. Maybe you've read the book of Acts and you see where Peter was a man that denied Jesus three times, did he not? Denied Jesus three times. All of what I'm telling you, these are, these are focuses and prayers. These are... Uh, strategies and activities that bring those things. The activity of heaven can't help but be involved with somebody that has closet prayer, stays in constant prayer, and actually engages in corporate prayer, all right? The scripture talks about, and if you could flip over there, it'd be good. I don't know if you got your Bibles, but if you don't, you can just, I don't know if it's gonna be on the side screens or not. Can't remember. Acts chapter 12 and verse one. Acts 12 and verse one, it says this. Now about that time, Herod, which was, a bad king. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Uh, You know, James was one of the three, Peter, James, and John. That's the ones that Jesus pulled out of the 12 and pulled close and poured his life into. So Herod kills him and sees that it pleased the religious spirit. I ain't got time for that. He said, because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. And I wanna go down to verse five. It says, now he's in prison, he's been arrested. Verse five says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but what? Constant prayer was offered up to God for him by the church. By the church. So in other words, there was constant prayer going up, but it was corporate. They were operating in function and shifts, They were like, you'll pray from 12 to 6, and I'll come in and pray from 6 to 12, and we're going to make sure that we cover him because we're going to get him out. We missed it on James, but we're not missing it on Peter. He's the apostolic voice to the church. Now, this is what I don't understand. Peter's on the eve of his execution. He's bound between two soldiers. There's a tetrad of troops around him. You know what a tetrad is, right? 16. Wait a second. I understand he tried to cut a guy's head off. And that was just one instance. And I mean, I'm pretty sure he cusses quite a bit too, but why do you need 16 troops for one man? I don't, I don't get that. But on the eve of his execution, he's doing what? You read, the, you read the text, he's sleeping. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, I gotta write letters. I've gotta, oh dear God, get me out of this thing. I'd be worried about my kids, worried about my family. And he's sleeping, he's resting, he's good. The one that when the rooster finished crowing the third time the night, he knew Jesus scared half to death that he was gonna be killed along with him. The one that said, I'll go and die with you, Jesus. And he says, I doubt that. Yeah, you. The one that on the day of Pentecost, when the spirit of the, he stands up and preaches the inauguration of the church in Acts chapter two and begins to tell, this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. The one that now, after he's been filled with the Holy Spirit and fire, he has a boldness and he's unshakable. He's at the point, he's like, hey, you know, you take my head, that's fine. To be absent from this body is to be present with him. I'm good. But he's asleep and an angel has to walk into his moment, punch him in the side and get him up and lead him out. So it was a miraculous act, but it was nobody come laid hands on him except for an angel that was prayed by the church that was sent from God to get him out of those chains. Constant corporate prayer. That's why when we say, Come on, church, let's bind together and let's pray into this specific topic or this specific thing, that's when we begin to pray, there's things that begin to happen. I know you don't see it, I know you don't feel it, but guess what? He's still moving. Do you think that if Daniel would have quit after that first day of prayer that he would have got his answer in the Old Testament? The angel said, Daniel, I was sent the moment you prayed. But Daniel kept praying until he saw his answer. He prayed, and then all of a sudden, the angel broke through that second heaven warfare and brought him an answer. I'm telling you, church, when we pray, I please, don't. I, I know I'm getting a lot of different looks at me this morning, like, what the, I don't even know it. I'm telling you. In this season, God is getting a bride ready that is without spot, wrinkle, and without blemish because he's wanting to demonstrate his power through the church. Listen, I know we can go, up. hey, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? He'll save your life today. That's great. But what if you walk through hell, through your marriage, God restores it, and somebody, and you didn't say a word to nobody, somebody walked up and said, how in the world did you make it through that season of your life? Well, let me just tell you. There was a man called Jesus that stepped in the middle of my muck and my mire, all of my condemnation, my guilt, my shame. He stepped in and he began to restore and put a marriage back together. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna forgive me. I got to dance just a minute, but I just want to point your my your attention not towards me. Yes, look at what look at the great things of my wife and you've restored, but look at him. You gotta look at him. That's evidence. That's a miracle. That's a wonder. That's a sign. Whenever it didn't look like there was any hope in the situation, but God. turned Turned it around. That's what God's looking for. Those things, those things. I gotta hurry. I promise I'm, I'm I'm close to being done. Prayer for the church. Intercession, if I could say it in that manner. There was intercession offered up for Peter and he was released from prison. In other words, intercession was offered up. And intercession is prayer on behalf of needs other than my own. That's what it is. When you intercede, mamas and daddies, you're doing it for your children right now. Many of you praying for your kids. And people say, well, uh, you know, what, what exactly? That's called intercession. You're the go between. You're the one that's the mediator between them and God and saying, God, save my kids, save my family, save my mom, save my dad, save my school, save my people at my job. You're the one that's the go between. Corporate prayer always involves intercession. Take us to one last place, Demetrius, if you would. In Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, don't put it up just yet, Michelle, or excuse me, Susan, hold on one second. Paul, this is some 20 to 24 years after the uh, the resurrection of Christ, and Paul has seen so much great things happen, and all his trips, his missions trips, and just God has moved in so many different powerful ways, and And Paul tells them in verse 22, he says, they begin to talk to him and he's he's knowing that he's got to go to Jerusalem, but only bad things are awaiting him to go to Jerusalem. It says, and see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Susan, you can put it up. This is what's interesting. What if you knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and he said... Well, you go into this next city, all that's gonna await you is beatings. People are gonna harass you. They're gonna curse you. They're gonna throw stuff at you, food. They're gonna throw rocks at you. Just tribulations and trials. That's all that's awaiting you when you walk into this next city. How many of you would actually go? I'm, I don't think I would. Now, I've, I, I know that's probably, well, are you kidding me? Come on now, pastor, preacher, whatever you are. Not gonna go into that next city. This is a true sign and a mark of the calling and the maturity of what Christ can do through you in you. Right here with Paul. But what Paul says in verse 24. Yeah, I see what's going on in culture. Yeah, I see what's going on around me. I hear what they're saying. I hear what politics is running their mouth about. I hear what, the, what Capitol Hill's saying. I hear what Fox, I hear what CNN, I hear what Facebook, I hear what Instagram, Twitter, I hear what this one said and that one said and all the naysaying that they're saying. But none of these things move me. None of these things move me. Why? None of these things move me. Why, Paul? Because I shifted my eyes from looking like this all the time where I couldn't look up. I always looked and seen what was happening with this person and with that person and what they were saying over there. And I said, no, I've set my mind on things above. So those things are what I move by. None of these things right here move me. None of this division. None of this strife. None of that stuff. Yeah, it grieves my heart that we can't find a a middle ground and unity and see it and do whatever we're doing in the spirit of Christ. Yeah, I'm vaccinated, unvaccinated, mask or no mask, Uh, who you voted for on the left, the right, the center. It's kind of like what I think it was Billy Graham said, said that one's for the left wing, one's for the right wing. And he said, but I'm for the whole bird. I'm for the whole bird. And I pray for the nation. So many are divided. There's there's so much stuff going on. And Paul said, these things are happening before my eyes. There's always been been political upheaval. There's always been division on this or on that. There's always been racial tension here, racial tension there. I'm not not excusing it. It's absolutely wrong. I hate it by all means. But all I know is I get along with the Lord. I shut the door and get into my closet and pray. God, give me a message. Give me an anointing. Give me something to change. And I'll walk in a constant an attitude of prayer. God, I, 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 I miss my days where I struggle at it, but I, I've got to have that attitude. Fix my heart. Give me purity of heart, integrity, and character. And God, help us to come into the church and walk into a corporate anointing where the blessing of the Lord rests upon these people. So when the, I don't know about what that church is doing, now, I pray for them. But in this house, let us become one of prayer that when we leave and walk out of this house, there's something on my life that when I get around them, maybe they're convicted of their sin. I'm not trying to force that on them. Or maybe, maybe I can bring in healing in some capacity. God, just use me. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm going to set you free with this statement. You stand to your feet. Because a lot of people point to ability. A lot of people say, yeah, but I can't. Yeah, but I can't. Yeah, but I can't. I'm disqualified because if there's anybody in this room that should be more disqualified from any aspect of ministry, I'm gonna raise my hand and say, you're looking at the guy right here. I'm just saying, but God who is rich in mercy, mercy, whenever for my sins that I should have been judged, Jesus was standing in the courtroom and he said, mercy, Mercy, mercy. The father looked down on my life and he saw the blood of Jesus. He didn't see my sin. He saw blood. The blood of Jesus. There's so many stories in this room of breakthrough. There's so many stories and testimonies to the goodness of God. Stop looking at what's not and start looking at what is. It's not your ability. You know what it is? You can finish it. It's my availability. Are you available? That's all God needs. Because someone that's available, he'll take them and you'll, you'll, you'll work signs, wonders, miracle signs will follow you because you're, you God, whatever you want. I don't want delayed uh, obedience because that's disobedience. I want to rapidly obey you. Give me a heart of faithfulness. Give me a heart of integrity and character. Come on, let me pray with you this morning. If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I am pleading with you, don't leave this room until you do. And there's nobody looking, eyes closed across the room. If you feel him drawing and pulling at your heart to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, maybe it's the first time or maybe you're just saying, I'm coming home this morning, I'm returning. Lift your hand so I can see anybody in the room. I commit my life to you, Jesus, today. God bless you. I see the hand. I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. You're mine and I am yours. Father, fill my life. You're good and you do good. Teach me, God, to follow you today. Holy Spirit, direct my steps. You're not looking for my ability. You're looking for me to be available. Cleanse me, wash me, use me. Refresh me, revive me, restore me. Redeem me, oh God. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, I just wanna take just a moment. I feel like the Lord's beginning to move over some hearts today. Let the Lord begin to touch your life. Give him space. Give him room. will build my life upon your love, oh Lord. It's a sure and strong foundation. I surrender to you, Jesus. Every morning I get up and I pray this, I, I yield, I surrender, and I submit to you, God. My day, my life, my family, help me to live with my hands wide open. Help me not to clench anything and hold it close. Help me to live with my hands open. So if you put it in my hands, it's a blessing. If you take it out of my hands, I don't become greedy and wanna hold it close. Come on, can we live with hands open wide as we walk out of here today and let God begin to put into your hands what you need and remove what you don't. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.